If Jesus had a social media account today, do you think that he would go viral? This is a question I talked about once with some high school students. We're all very saturated kind of in this social media world. People have different channels, whether it's on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram. And these channels serve different purposes. Some people kind of just post pictures of their cats. Other people on social media, we saw, see there are a lot of gurus out there who try to kind of explain secrets of life. If you do this, you'll be happy, you will be successful. In all these different accounts, there's kind of one thing that's common for many people. They all want their content to go viral. That is, get shared a lot, get lots and lots of likes, millions of likes, so that more people see it, so ultimately they can get more advertising money. So if Jesus were alive today, and he had a social media account, maybe a TikTok account, where he would say his teachings, with maybe some images in the background, a dance here or there, would he go viral? Would his content become very, very popular if people just heard it, if they heard it read? I think on the one hand, it would seem that maybe Jesus in this way would not go viral. We heard today the Beatitudes, kind of the ultimate, the pinnacle of Jesus' teaching, and we're so familiar with it that this really is the core of how Christ calls us to live, it's something very, very beautiful, something we're so familiar with. But if we take a step back, the Beatitudes don't really make a lot of sense. They don't seem like they would be very popular teachings if people were hearing it for the first time. Some of the things about the Beatitudes, of course, are beautiful. Blessed are the peacemakers, we can all agree on that. But certain things about the Beatitudes, like blessed are those who mourn, it doesn't make much sense. It doesn't seem like that teaching would be very popular. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Again, these are not the kinds of teachings that seem like they would get a lot of traction, that they would go viral. They don't seem logical to us sometimes, and I don't think they seem logical to a lot of people. St. Paul, in the second reading, really leans into this fact, the idea that being a follower of Jesus entails a way of life that at the surface doesn't seem very logical, doesn't make a lot of sense. St. Paul, in the second reading today and throughout all of 1 Corinthians, makes this point time and time again. St. Paul says that the wisdom of God is foolishness to people who are living in the world. The wisdom of God is foolishness to people in the world. St. Paul, of course, is not living at a time of social media, but at St. Paul's time, there were a lot of teachers who would be in different major cities like Corinth and kind of go uh, literally preach kind of on a street corner or on the city square, and they would try to kind of sell their philosophy to people. You had Stoicism, for example, and various other trends of thought, and people would come and listen to them, and there would be some preachers who would become very, very popular of these philosophical systems. St. Paul is making the point that when we judge Christianity on these measures, by these means, Christianity doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. It's foolishness to, to the people of the world. There's something kind of deeper going on. St. Paul talks to us in Corinthians that God ultimately chooses the foolish in the world to shame the weak, to, to shame the strong, or rather those who think they are wise. I was reading one commentary about the uh, Beatitudes, and this commentary is from kind of a, a learned scholar, but he likes to break into some colloquialisms from time to time. 
So we like to point out that the Beatitudes present a very paradoxical recommendations, that the Beatitudes reverses the conventional values of society, and ultimately he ends that the Beatitudes commends those whom the world in general would dismiss as losers and wimps. The Beatitudes, if we really think about them, are difficult to make sense of for a lot of people. We need to realize that the Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is speaking about a kind of logic that is much deeper, that is much more below the surface, a kind of logic that is not easy to grasp at first. We could call it God's logic, ultimately. Are many of you familiar with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? That book and the movie as well. We had to read it when we were in school. I like to ask the servers if they still read it. Do you guys read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? They did. So far, they're the only ones who have read it, who I've asked. So I'm excited. So The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we know this story from C.S. Lewis. He wrote as a kind of Christian allegory, right? So different characters represent different people. Aslan, this lion, is Jesus. The witch is kind of this evil Satan-like figure. And Narnia is this world where Aslan has come and is kind of making all things new. But there's one scene that kind of stuck out to me in this movie, and it's kind of later in the movie. And by this point, what's happened, of course, is these siblings have entered into Narnia, and they've all made different connections. But one of the siblings, Edmund, runs into some trouble, gets into the wrong company, and he ultimately becomes a traitor, and someone dies as a result of this. And he gets into the company of the witch, and he eventually escapes and goes back to Aslan. There's one scene then when the witch comes to confront Aslan in the camp, and she comes forward and she kind of gazes at Edmund, and she says to Aslan, you have a traitor in your midst. You know what that means. He belongs to me. His life is mine. And everybody starts to get kind of upset and they say, okay, well, try and take him, right? And she says, well, no, Aslan, you know the laws on which our world is created, that traitors, their lives belong to me. And then Aslan kind of responds to her very strongly, do not quote the deep magic to me. I was there when it was written. So he talks about this deep magic. Jesus in the gospel today, I think, is describing the Beatitudes, they are a kind of deep magic, a deeper logic, something central to the way our world is supposed to act, but perhaps because of the brokenness of our world, we don't quite yet realize. So we need to understand, I think, that the Beatitudes should sound a bit strange at first because they represent a deeper kind of magic, a deeper kind of logic for us. To take another analogy from the world of cars, and I'll use gas cars. I don't have an electric car, so I'm going to have to update, I guess, in a couple of years this analogy. But for a gas car, of course, you have like a bunch of different things you need to do to keep it operational or at peak operation. You need to change the oil at a certain time. You need to put gas in it, keep the fluids up to date. And if you didn't have, for example, a user's manual or someone to teach you or YouTube videos, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Like, why would you pour oil into this kind of thing here. Why would you take out the dipstick and measure the oil in this certain way? Why put gasoline instead of diesel into it, etc.? So there's certain rules about a car that really the manufacturer of the car makes clear to us. And it's because of the user's manual that we can know how a car should properly operate. 
The Beatitudes we could think of in this way, they are the user's manual of life for what it means to be a human. When we follow the Beatitudes, ultimately, we live in the most fulfilled state. The user's manual of a car comes from the person who made the car. The user's manual for us comes from God or Christ who created us. So in the Beatitudes, then, we have a very deeper, a very foundational kind of logic that is at stake. Ultimately, the truth or the logic of the Beatitudes can only become clear to us when we live them. It's not enough, ultimately, to just hear the Beatitudes, to be convinced that they're true. We have to live them. It's in acting the Beatitudes out that we recognize how true they are, how they lead in the gospel, as we say, to blessedness, to fulfillment. Sometimes this is translated as happiness. Happy are those who live in a certain way. We need to, I think, be clear about what we're talking about when we're speaking about happiness in the Beatitudes. Sometimes we think of happiness merely as an emotional kind of state. And certainly Jesus does promise us that there'll be times when we feel this way, feel happy. But of course we know in life there are ups and downs. And when we follow the Beatitudes, we might not always feel happy. In Greek, that word that's translated as blessed is makarios. And this was a common word, makarios, that was used to describe kind of social behaviors or short little proverbs. Makarios is this person who lives in this way. And what this gets to, this makarios, is ultimately, one way you could translate it is this. Congratulations to you if you're living in this way. So a makariism is kind of a short statement to say someone who is living in this way is living in a good state of life. They should be congratulated because their state of life is going to make them ultimately fulfilled here and into eternity. So you could congratulate, you could say then, blessed instead of blessed, congratulations to you if you are meek, congratulations to you if you are a peacemaker, because ultimately your life will be a good one here and in the next. That same biblical commentator said that you could translate makarios instead of blessed or happy by the Australian idiom, the Australian idiom, uh, good on your, good on your if you're living in this way. Things ultimately will turn out well for you. The Beatitudes then have a truth, a deep truth that we can only recognize when we ultimately live them. So and back to my question to the start, would Jesus go viral? Well, I think on the one hand, if he were just to say his teachings, kind of, you know, put them out there on the internet, he would not go viral. But ultimately, when people saw Jesus live the Beatitudes, when other people followed Jesus and lived the Beatitudes in their life, it was only then that Jesus went viral, we could say. Because ultimately, we need to live the Beatitudes in order to experience this true fulfillment that Jesus promises us. St. John Paul II would often, in many talks, encourage us to be people of the Beatitudes. So we pray then today that we can truly be people of the Beatitudes. And as St. John Paul II would often say, being people of Beatitudes doesn't mean we can only say the Beatitudes. It's not enough just to recite the Beatitudes. We need to act out the Beatitudes. And he would go on to say we ultimately need to be the Beatitudes just as Christ was the Beatitudes to those around him.